What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 27 of the Randy King Live podcast. Welcome back. We are on episode three of the regular schedule post fire. So again, thank you everybody for sticking with me. I know we went two weeks short. Um, that won't be happening again. We have guests lined up. I'm front loading the episodes again. So hopefully there isn't another fire, but if you know anything about me, my life is like an episode of days of our lives. So if something else pops up in my life, there will still be content that comes out. So this week we have a good friend of mine, oh, a good friend of mine, somebody I met, we talk a lot online, who I met recently. Uh, he goes by Doc, Doc Kennedy. Uh, we'll get to him in a second. So if this is the first time that you're joining us on the Randy King Live podcast, maybe you're a fan of Doc's work and you have no idea who I am, I need you to understand a couple of the rules of the show. So this is a debate-based podcast, not an argument-based podcast. The internet has trouble distinguishing the two. So what we're going to do here is myself and Doc have come up with a topic that we decided would be fun to debate. We are only going to be debating our side of the topic. We're not going to be debating our ethics, our views, our passions, our emotions. We're only going to be talking about the topic at hand, trying to AKA win the debate. Uh, when we go with the debate, uh, you will hear my side and you will hear the side of Doc's and then we will have this whole conversation. If you want to hear our actual thoughts on this thing, that goes on something called Final Thoughts, which exists on my Patreon, Patreon, Randy King Live. Check it out there. It's on the $5 level. So in order to make this debate as civil as possible, because we don't want the regular internet uh, distress to stir the pot, we have a couple of rules. So rule number one is we start as friends, we leave as friends. So I've met Bill a few times, I him and his family, who I get along with very well. I'd like to stay friends with Bill, so maybe he does this again. Two, we have 15 logic fallacies that I sent ahead of time to my uh, debating partner here. Um, those 15 fallacies are not allowed to be used in the debate. If one of us catches the other in one of those fallacies, which I feel that Doc, his name is Doc for a reason, will probably catch me in them because uh, I tend to lean on them pretty heavily, then the person calls them out on the fallacy. If you're caught, we have to take a page out of Rory Miller's Conflict Communications book, take a deep breath, apologize to the person across the screen for using the fallacy, shoot a compliment their way, Doc, you look pretty slick today. You look like your moisturizing is on point. And then we, and then we jump to, uh, then we secede our turn to the other person in the debate. If you, the listener, catch us in one of the fallacies that we don't catch because we're mid-debate and we're trying to rebuttal and go back and forth, feel free to shoot me a message on any of my social media at Randy King Live and tell me the minute it occurred. If I agree with you so I can't debate my way out of it, uh, I will then pay for my crime and push-ups and promote whatever you want me to promote. So if you're doing a fit tea or a business or a puppy rescue, it doesn't matter. I will promote your stuff on my social media for finding the hole in my argument. The whole point of this show is to learn, is to re, is to allow people to have discourse without destruction of a relationship and friends. So uh, if you catch us, it's very important that I don't want to use this and I'm sure neither does Doc who are doing these conversations. So Doc, that's all the rules I want to talk about. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Hey everybody, I'm uh, Dr. Bill Kennedy. I'm a clinical psychologist in Wilmington, Ohio, which is like between two cornfields and a couple pigs, uh, about halfway between Cincinnati, Dayton, and Columbus, if you can kind of make a triangle between those. Uh, clinical psychologist, I do everything from not guilty by reason of insanity evaluations to competency to sex offender treatment to just garden variety therapy. Uh, 
also play around with some martial arts, um, some judo, jiu-jitsu, Japanese jiu-jitsu, uh, a few styles of kung fu. We have our own school here, um, Team Torque Martial Arts. And one of the main things that we're doing right now is um, Code Clear Adapt, which is a um, self-protection training that we developed at, for healthcare professionals specifically um, to help them do all the things that we train in general self-protection and self-defense only geared specifically for healthcare professionals. So that's one of the cool. big things we're doing right now. All right, so uh, the topic we decided today to discuss is kind of an, an esoteric one. It's not one of the normal kind of debates that come up, but I think it's interesting. And Bill, you suggested this, and it's a fascinating idea. So the topic we've decided to debate today is, should only women, and I guess females in general, should only females be allowed to take self-defense? Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. So what, what side of this debate are you taking? I am going to be taking the um, pro only teaching self-protection, self-defense training to women. Right. And to be clear, we're saying uh, to the listeners, self-defense, not martial arts. So they're, they're different things. So we're saying self-defense. We chose that on purpose. All right, Bill, you know how the show works. So we're going to start the clock. You get up to four minutes to make your opening statement. You printed out a bunch of stuff, which terrifies me. So we'll see how this goes. All right, whenever you're ready, go. Alrighty. So I have to admit that when I started doing this, I was like, there's no way. You know, this is ridiculous. Self-defense, guys get attacked too. Women get attacked. You need to teach both. It's good for self-esteem and all those types of things. But when I really let myself look at the actual data, and I really let myself take emotion out of it and what I wanted out of it and looked at what the numbers actually say, I, I found some other things out. And okay. some of the main things that, that I realized were that, first of all, <clears throat> if you look at perpetrators, there's, there's a couple of basic assumptions that we have to make. Okay. First is that I don't know anything about this person coming through the door. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if they're going to be a perpetrator or a victim, I don't know anything about that person. The second basic assumption that I have to work with is that our job as self-defense instructors is to make individuals safer and to make society safer. That all other things are nice in terms of self-esteem and things like that, but at the end of the day, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. So given those two basic truths, Looking at the actual numbers, not what I want to be true, but what, what actually comes out is if a person come, if a person is a male, if we're looking at just straight violence, there is about 82% chance that that person comes in through the door if their male is the is a perpetrator versus the 18% of females that are perpetrators. Okay. So straight violence. If I'm looking at sexual assault, it changes to 99% versus 1%. Right. So you're looking at physical perpetrators. You've got male on male, mm -hmm. male on female. Yeah. Female on male. Right. Female on female if it's just straight violence. Okay. If it's sexual assault, male on male, yeah. male on female got female on male you can barely see the dot there 
Mm-hmm. You've got female and female. Yep. Last, if you look at all violence in, in the United States. Yeah. Male on male, male on female, female on female, female on female on male. Male. Okay. If the person coming through the door is a male, is a female, here's the chances that she is going to be a, a perpetrator. Okay. Here's the chances she's going to be a victim. Right. So for the audio people listening, he had a ping pong ball for the females and an apple for the males. That's okay. Keep going. Your presentation is very visual. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so the bottom line is if our job is really to be making the world a safer place and I don't know anything about the person coming through the door, the chances are that if that person is either a victim or a perpetrator, if it is a male they are much more likely to be a perpetrator, five times more likely than a female coming through the door. Given that, not knowing anything else about it, because at the end of the day, we have to make the world a safer place and the people a safer place. If I'm treating males for, if I'm I'm teaching males self-protection, it's about a 50-50 chance that they're gonna be the perpetrator or the victim. Mm -hmm. If I'm working with females, it is about an 80, or it's about an 85, 15 percent that they're going to be the victim. Right. Given those numbers, given that I don't know anything else, if I'm teaching men, I'm actually more likely to be making the world more dangerous, not safer. Cool. So, awesome. Right on time for your opening statement. That's perfect. my final minute. Yeah. No, I think we're good. We're at 15, right? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, one more minute. So, uh that's awesome. Uh, first off, I'm going to start off saying this is a weird position for me to take because uh, the, the numbers you have, I agree with, uh, but I also am going to attack the stats a little bit because reporting numbers are skewed, uh, especially when it comes to males reporting violence, especially for females attacking. But we'll get to that in a second. Number one, I think the, mate, the most important part of self-defense is empowerment and also realization that you maybe you're not as functional in a situation as you believe you are. So good self-defense training kind of opens the eyes of people who uh, believe violence is one way or they're not in a victim or a threat profile, etc. So if we're not training men, most men without learning the boundaries and barriers of their ability will hyper over believe their ability is bigger than it is. There's just no way around it. The Onion kind of made fun of this too, but realistically, when I take a young man into a self-defense course, they all think they know everything. Everybody had an uncle that was a Navy SEAL or a friend that was a police officer in SWAT and they could teach. The second that they come in and they realize that violence is scarier and more realistic, it tends to both crush their ability to want to do violence and also crushes their, or shows them that it's not as easy as everybody thought it was. So giving them education and giving them a self-defense course on what violence is actually like could potentially, I have no numbers for it or sheets, could potentially take down their uh, their their thought process of getting to a fight. And as you know, really good schools, the more somebody trains in something, the less likely they're going to do it. And the, the reason they come is not the reason they stay. The other thing is, if we talk about empowerment, Everything you starts from your debate and your or your stance is stats based. Those stats are hyper skewed. This has been shown over and over and over again. Men will not report that they were attacked by a female because it takes away their masculinity. Men will not report being attacked by other men because it might take down their masculinity. This 
idea of being a man means don't tell snitches get stitches that kind of idea so i think while stats are important and i don't think they're super far off they are far off especially if you look at let's say uh men in the military when they are being attacked uh if you look at places like africa iraq the rates of assault and rape on male soldiers is very very high but the reports are very, very low because people don't want to demasculate themselves in that situation. So I think that men do need to learn that self-defense is important, that you don't need to be a tough guy all the time, and you could be a victim. We have this thought process that men are these big, tough animals, but I know in my family, I'm the short guy, and I'm as tall as the females. All the females are like 5 to 11 to 6 foot 2 in my family, and all the men are 6 3 and up. I'm a runt of the litter at 6 foot 1. The size makes a difference. Victims are victims. Yes, females are generally smaller, so they're generally targeted, but there's a lot of very, very small men out there that would also be picked by a predator looking for something. Bill. So those are some really good points. Uh, I really like especially um, the piece on empowerment, and I could not agree with you more that statistics are always skewed. Matter of fact, as they say, they're lies, damn lies, and statistics. So, <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> So, so I do agree that they're skewed. Well, and, but while they are skewed, um, they're likely to be ballpark accurate. So mm -hmm. if we're looking at maybe 15% difference, I, I, can, I can go with that. Even with the 15% difference, you're still looking at about three times more likely. Okay. Um, so I, I agree with that. Uh, this does also look at um, incidents in prison, jail. You're right that men tend to underreport. They underreport violence when it is against when it is a male perpetrator they definitely underreport when it is a female perpetrator um if i'm look so so i think those are really good points i, I think the, the the problem with it however is um you know um you know paul and and you know um casey and ben and jeff berger they are beasts for the, for mm -hmm. your audience that don't know them. They're just, they're specimens. They are beasts. They're super strong. Uh, they're very powerful, um, very athletic, and they all train in judo and Japanese jujitsu, which is an art that's designed to help someone who is smaller by better mechanics and leverage defeat somebody that's much larger. Those guys training in that kind of style is the definition of oninikanabo, which is an unstoppable ogre. When you teach men self-defense who are in general, and I guess there are exceptions, obviously, but in general, men are significantly stronger than women. Men have more acculturation with violence. And while they may come into a class and realize, I don't know as much as I thought I did, and that process may happen, Again, that can go either way, and if they're just as likely to be a perpetrator or victim, what you've done is you've taken that same set of tools that you are teaching women and given it to someone who is, is equally likely to be a perpetrator as a victim. So at least you have maintained that power differential between men and women, but in all likelihood, you've actually accelerated. It's made the, it's made the system more dangerous, not less. Mm -hmm. I think then, if we're looking at it from that point, so again, 50-50, uh, a chance, ballpark accurate, whatever, the statistics on that, we can move on. But right. the I agree with what you're saying. Oh, now, of course, I can't not agree with what you're saying because it makes total sense. Right, right, right. But if we use that logic still, I, 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 let's, we're, both, we're both career martial artists. 
if if a 100 pound woman with all the training in the world goes after Casey no training that's not really that's not really going to make a difference to be honest right it might make some difference with some self-protection training but if we only train them and don't train somebody who cares about her a larger stronger male that may be there there's no third-party intervention or at least no functional third-party intervention so if we're looking at it like if we only give the lambs teeth Right, and then, but there's still wolves out there, and we don't train the dogs how to fight the wolves. If we're using that sheepdog analogy, which is weak at best, but if we're using it just for the, the sake sure. of the argument, uh, then if we kick the teeth out of the sheepdog, because now the criminal and the, the aggressive people are going to be aggressive no matter what. Whether they find trading or not, they're going to start a background fight club. They're going to get fought in uh, prison or whatever they're going to do, wherever they're going to acclimate the violence. As you said, right, men are more acclimated to violence, just in general, sports, etc., which gives them a general perspective over this. If we take the men who weren't particularly aggressive, who are generally good people who didn't get acclimated through sport and violence, who might be smaller and weaker, and we don't give them tools to protect themselves and or their children or the women in their lives, that's taking some of the some of the fangs out of the entire situation. So I think making it primarily just given to females will give almost a false sense of hope that these people think that they have some kind of magic skill, but a 300 pound monkey is still gonna smash right through that. Sure, and that's a good point. Part of yours digitized, but I think I caught it all. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess what I would, what I would say is, I would agree that, that men need to get training. Where I would differ is there's a difference between things like assertiveness training, yeah. which can be a piece of self-defense training, mm -hmm. but is often a standalone. Yeah. Teaching sensitivity, teaching respect for others, behavior, and things like that. I think that is extremely important, mm -hmm. um, but that's not exact. That that can be a component of self-defense training, mm -hmm. but it is not for me self-defense training. So while I think that men should receive the training where I am managing my anger, training yeah. where I am um, non-objectifying individuals, and all those yeah. can be part of it. Yeah. When we talk self-defense training, we're, that's usually not what gets taught in it. Mm -hmm. So theoretically it could. Mm -hmm. It's usually not. Usually when we're talking about self-defense, we're usually talking about um, physical protection. We're yeah. usually talking, I mean, even though we have our you know, avoid and uh, and then escape, uh, avoid, escape, de-escalate, and then mm -hmm. physically, you know, we have all those. Where the rubber hits the road across the board in terms of most self-defense training yeah. is that physical piece. I agree. So I, I feel we're painting men with one brush right now, and that's not cool. So again, we're assuming that the men are the larger, more aggressive person. But let's say, for example, 250-pound man is attacking 100-pound woman. 180-pound man sees this. If he has no physical skills or is not allowed to train in physical defense, him jumping to the aid is no longer helpful. And we have to we have to agree 180 is much closer to the big weight than the small weight. So sure. they would need those evening things, right? Not all not all men that come uh, are aggressive. And also with your uh, 
If you look at the stats, most people in jail for aggravated assault have zero martial. They don't have no combat training. They have no martial training. They're just aggressive, thuggy people. So they're not even really search, searching it out. So why take it away from the people that are scared and wish to maybe protect their family, their children, their whatever, and is a slightly closer adversary to this steroid-induced monster that we seem to be painting in this debate? Good, good point, and you're right. I lost a little bit of it again, but I think I caught most of it. Oh, I, damn I, it. Right. Um, I, I think you're right that um, most of the people who are uh, in for some type of predatory violence haven't been training in martial arts for X number of years. You can find exceptions, obviously, um, but I think they're the exception. Um, we do know that 75% of violence and aggression is affective violence, is emotional violence, affective, social, sympathetic nervous system arousal. It would make sense teaching people to regulate that. Mm -hmm. And if you want to call that self-defense, well, then I'll concede the whole point. But mm -hmm. if, if, if we're not calling it that, um, I would say there. Um, I think you made a good point with regards to um, having that bystander able to step in. I think that's a really good point. Also would say that that bystander is not likely to be there right away. This is why we teach people that they are the first responder. And so again, and it is painting people with broad brushes. I agree, it is horribly unfair. It is, anytime you make a huge generalization, you are by necessity cutting off the edges. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And at the same time, I know that because I don't know when that person comes through the door where mm -hmm. they're going to be, I have to do that. Everybody makes judgments. Mm -hmm. That is part of being human. Yeah. The question is, do I modify the judgment in the presence of new data? But I have to make a judgment. And given that I don't know anything about that person coming through, I want to err on the side of caution. Right. And that, that makes sense. So while I'm saying that, like, so again, you said person coming through the door is the analogy we're talking about right now. Uh, if the person's coming through the door, maybe the, maybe the male member of the household is home. Right. So again, that's a judgment you're made. We're making as well. And I agree that in lots of cases, they wouldn't have picked the place if the person wasn't by themselves. But this is this never, never, never always when it comes to this kind right. of situation. Right. So I think that like limiting the, I think the, the key focus of what I'm trying to get across here is that most people that do violent crime have no martial arts training. So why would we take martial arts training away from people who don't have a propensity for violence, which is the, and that gives them the best place to empower and learn? Why would we take that away from the un, the people who are not committing any sin? Why would we remove their ability to protect themselves if the data is showing that people who are doing the attacks don't even care about that crap anyways? There's no benefit to just training women in that scenario. That's a, that's a good point. Um, I guess the pushback part would be we're looking there at predatory violence mm -hmm. um people when you're looking at affective violence right. may or may not have martial arts training i mean sure statistically most people in the, in the united states don't have martial arts training so you're already yeah. looking at a very small subset right um, but of the people who do have martial arts training i had don't know that martial arts training or self-defense training reduces the likelihood of you showing expressive violence 
Sure. So what you're so you're jumping back to effective violence, but you said if we included effective violence, your debate would be gone. So we let's just focus on the predatory part of that, which you said okay. earlier. I have a note. I have to. I'm scared of you, Doc. So we have the, we have the effective part here, but but agreed. So if we're looking, let's just say microcosm. Let's say predatory, predatory. violence, okay. not effective. And effective for our listeners also means social violence. If you're following like Miller's yes. work, social and effective are the same thing. So uh, when we're doing this, then. I think that, the, again, this, the debate's almost over, we have two minutes left. So I'm just gonna quickly do a closing statement, which is if we're working off the propensity of predatory violence, the person who is attacking usually does not have training in any situation. They just have aggressiveness and, and uh, the ability to ambush, which is how most human conflict works. Anyways, drones are still one of the best weapons we have because they scare people. If we're eliminating that subsection, at, it doesn't matter the attacker coming through the door, everybody should get training. Like there should be a level of training with that. Well, I don't think only men should have it. I do think that when the rubber hits the road, if a man is there and we're looking at numbers and size and strength, like we talked about statistic averages, that it will be better for them to also have training as long as they're training with the female. So just letting, training only females, well, the argument is half of the attackers, half the people attacked are men, uh, half attackers, half attackees. The attackers don't seem to be training anyways. So what's wrong with training the men? Doc. Very good question. Did you say done or doc? I said doc. So it's your turn. I'm done. Okay. Your turn. Well, yeah. <laughs> we still got a minute. They slammed the bell on me. Okay. No, you're done. <laughs> you got a um, minute. Sure. I, I think that um, at the end of the day, because I don't know who's coming through the door, that taking care of the person who is most likely to be damaged is our true obligation. And that making sure that if it is a guy and he doesn't have training and he's fighting a guy that doesn't have training, well, that, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a wash. But if it is a guy who has training and it's a woman who doesn't, then it's horrific. And if it's a guy who doesn't and a woman who does, maybe we got a chance. Awesome. All right. That ends the free portion of the debate. That was super fun. That was uh, so that ends the free portion of the debate. So, uh, Doc, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit, uh, like, where they can find you, where they can find that training you were talking about, et cetera. Sure. Um, we are on Facebook at uh, Team Torque Martial Arts and um, Kennedy Consulting. And... Um, we're on Insta as well. The training that we're doing, we are tied in with hospitals, with Bureau of Workmen's Compensation to offer this kind of training. We do it with to other industries. We do it on site as well as at our at our place. And it is set up to do the things that healthcare professionals are already trained how to do so we don't have to come up with some new strategy. We're using what healthcare professionals already know how to do in order to keep themselves safe. Nice, awesome. So again, that's Team Torque or Kennedy Consulting. I believe you're Kennedy Consulting on Instagram. Are you Team Torque on Instagram as well? Yes, Team Torque MMA. MMA, awesome. So I'll write that down too for my editing guy. Awesome, everyone. Well, that's another free episode of the Randy King Live podcast. This is episode 27. If you want to hear us talk about, so there's a bunch of stuff I wrote down. This was a, a phenomenal debate. It was a great thought exercise. And so if you want to hear our actual take, uh, 
our debrief on this and kind of the topics that we're going to discuss around this with our actual opinions and thoughts. Because obviously a lot of the stuff I was saying, I was like, yeah, he's making a lot of sense here. So we're going to talk about that on the final thoughts. So if you don't know where final thoughts are, patreon.com slash Randy King Live, $5 level. Other than that, I hope to see you next week on the Randy King Live podcast.